Every week, journalists at the University of Florida's College of Journalism and Communications report important stories for the people of North Central Florida and beyond. And what about poll watchers? Do you have any concerns there? After the 2020 election, there was a big focus on mis- and disinformation campaigns. I'm curious if that's something the Alachua County's office is watching and how you guys handle curbing some of that. What have you been asked about election security and the likes of that? Uh, what have you had to talk to people mostly about? This is The Rewind from WUFT News. I'm Nathaniel Wilson, your host for this week. I'll take you through the strongest reporting coming out of the college and a discussion with the people most familiar with these stories. In the lead-up to the 2022 general election, Florida saw an unprecedented increase in its numbers of registered voters. Mandatory early voting across the state ran from October 29th through November 5th, with optional extra days that differed across counties. And according to data posted by the Florida Division of Elections, almost 3.9 million ballots had already been cast as of Friday, November 4th. With some outlets forecasting 9 million votes will be cast, pundits and elected officials expect to see record-breaking numbers in this midterm election. This week, the Rewind team spoke with election supervisors as well as members of their teams about election trends, preparations, and more. There are many political races on the state and local levels this election cycle. Producer Matthew Bell previews some of the upcoming races and some of the numbers for Alachua County. The city of Gainesville will soon have a new mayor. Leaving his position as current mayor is Lauren Poe. The Gainesville native was first elected back in May of 2016 and will finish his second term in January of next year. Poe also spent two terms serving as a commissioner for the city of Gainesville. The two men seeking to fill his role are current city commissioner Harvey Ward Jr. and former manager of Gainesville Regional Utilities Ed Bolarski. According to GainesvilleFlorida.gov, Ward was first elected in March 2017 and then re-elected in 2020. He currently serves on the Gainesville-Alachua County Joint Climate and Water Policy Board and the city's Digital Access and Zero Waste Committees. Ed Bolarski used to serve as the General Manager of Gainesville Regional Utilities, or GRU, but was fired by the city commission and opponent Harvey Ward. Bolarski sponsored outreach programs in the community, such as the GRU Volunteer Network, GRU in the Neighborhood, and Camp Empower. He previously also served as a CPA and has 40 years of executive management experience. Both candidates are currently running under a nonpartisan banner. At the mayoral debate on October 25th, the two sparred on topics such as an increase in high-rise buildings, what each candidate would do to help citizens who do not yet speak English, and the appointment of the next UF president. Another I topic discussed was, was the mulling um, of Gainesville citizens the idea that you have animals Both that candidates are, were are doing this. With the situation. Now, I know the Polarski police departments use them regularly, and there's no issue associated with that. But this is a different time, a different place, and we need a full investigation of this. And I, you know, there needs to be other alternatives that we look at. Commissioner Ward was similarly abhorred by the incident that occurred. It is absolutely horrific. There is nothing that anyone can reasonably say that, that makes that better. Um, so what do we do? We, I signed on with Commissioner Desmond Duncan Walker to have a special meeting that will be coming up uh, the second or third week of uh, November. 
where we, the, the subject is, what do we do? How, what are our policies? How do we make our policies better? How do we keep this from happening again? That's the real question. Other races on the ballot include the race for the Alachua County District 1 seat between Democrat Mary Alford and Republican Ramey Eagle Glenn, the Alachua County Commission 2 seat between Democrat Mary Helen Wheeler and Republican Ed Brady, and the Alachua County Commission District 4 seat between Democrat Ken Cornell, Republican Van Elmore, and unaffiliated Anthony Johnson. Early voting in Alachua County began on October 24th and ends on November 6th. On November 6th, Early voting takes place only at the Supervisor of Elections office from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. As of November 4th at 3 p.m., Alachua is a largely blue county. About 48% of voters are registered Democrats, while 27 are registered Republicans. The final 25% are registered to third parties. Just over one quarter of the county has voted. 12% of voters have turned out for early voting, while over 13% have submitted mail-in ballots. Alachua County has about 105,000 potential women voters, which is more than the roughly potential 88,000 male voters. 6,784 Democrat voters have completed early voting, compared to 5,655 Republican voters. That was producer Matthew Bell previewing some of the upcoming political races in Alachua County. Mark Early is the Supervisor of Elections for Leon County and the President of the Statewide Supervisors of Elections Organization. Producer Jack Prater spoke with him about the high expected turnout, other election trends, and his role as President of the Florida Supervisors of Elections. As President, uh, I mean, there's some formalities that uh, apply strictly to our meetings and things like that. I chair the meetings, uh, help set up the agendas for our uh, summer and winter conferences. I also, I serve as a spokesperson for the association, and that's gotten to be uh, quite the task, uh, given the state of affairs and elections. So I do a lot of interviews such as this uh, to represent our association, uh, as well as our, uh, in my own home county. Uh, I get a lot of questions from supervisors as we try and coordinate uh, responses, especially in the last year or so. We've gotten, we're starting to receive a whole lot of uh, public records requests. They're very much cookie cutter in nature, and they are asking for things that uh, normally we don't get asked for uh, and that we can't necessarily release for security reasons or, uh, you know, just individual voter uh, privacy reasons uh, and restrictions in statute. And so we need to try and make sure everyone's on the same page with that. Uh, so coordinating responses to those public records requests. Also, uh, lawsuits and things like that. I get tasked with, you know, helping a bit of that. And legislation, uh, some of that's just because I'm in Leon County, which is here in Tallahassee where the capital is, but also with our association, I help a lot with the uh, legislative process and you know, advocating for issues that we think uh, need to be addressed uh, as far as election law goes. What have you been asked about election security and the likes of that? Uh, what have you had to talk to people mostly about? Yeah, so when it comes to election security, you know, a lot of what we're doing is just trying to reassure folks that you know, all of this misinformation you're suddenly hearing about, th these people aren't bringing up questions that never dawned on us. You know, believe it or not, we've been thinking about these things for decades. Uh, and we have a lot of very comprehensive procedures in place to protect against uh, the fears that these folks have uh, about fraud and hacking and that kind of thing. Uh, we've got great partnerships uh, at federal and state and even local levels. Uh, we work together closely to help uh, make sure everyone's aware of whatever the latest threat is. 
but also security is just making sure that folks still have that trust in elections and it's securing elections against misinformation and disinformation that's out there. Because if people can't trust elections, they won't get out and vote. Uh, or they may do something similar to what you saw January 6th, where you know they, they are convinced that the right thing for them to do is to uh, take matters into their own hands and work outside the law. And so you know we need to protect against that. Uh, and so the message is, you can absolutely trust elections. Uh, we've been thinking about this, like I say, for a long time. We've crafted great laws here in Florida, but really even across the nation to make sure that elections are secure and transparent and audited, not just auditable, but actually are audited. And when they get to, uh, elections get to be most fragile, which means when they're at their closest, like happens frequently in Florida, uh, we have very good procedures in place to do recounts uh, and look at those paper ballots to make sure that voter intent is actually being uh, tabulated and reported properly. What are some of the trends that you guys are seeing over there? Anything surprising? I would say nothing real surprising, frankly. Uh, I've been doing elections for a long time. Uh, the big surprising thing is just all the misinformation out there. But uh, as far as voting trends, I would say that uh, this election is, frankly, it's maybe a little bit higher turnout than for some governors, you know, midterm elections. The Democrats and the Republicans both seem to be turning out at a level that's higher than their registration percentages, which is, you know, shows a lot of, you know, energy around the election. I will say that some of the trends we've seen over the last several years have been uh, more uh, registration going towards the nonpartisan or third party uh, varieties. And the turnout from those folks is actually way down. So just because you've opted not to go with a major party, you know, more power to you, that's fine, but still get out there and vote. Uh, and, and I'm seeing so far the participation rate amongst our nonpartisan voters here in Leon County, uh, which makes up about 23% of our uh, registration totals is, is sitting at around seven or 8%. So it's about a third of the registration levels are actually turning out the vote. And that's, you know, that's just not good for our country. Uh, but it's also not good for your ability to complain about the results of an election if you didn't go vote. So uh, get out there and vote if you, if you want to be able to complain. <laughs> or maybe, you know, you'll get lucky and your candidate will win. You got you to gotta vote to make that happen. So comparing this to the past midterms then, because usually midterms have lower turnouts, maybe, are, you seeing, yeah. are you seeing this might be closer to a general election or is that a stretch? Similar to a presidential general election. It's hard to say right now. You know, since the COVID of 2020, uh, there's been a lot of shift from election day voting to either vote by mail or early voting, kind of spreading out, you know, the social distancing. There's not quite so much a need for that anymore. Though. You know, there's still issues out there with, with COVID. Uh, but nonetheless, I think it set more of a pattern for folks to vote earlier. And so we'll see whether the turnout on election day is enough to still keep the levels just as high or whether we're really pulling from the election day uh, voting uh, and just kind of displacing it out to earlier on. And maybe it'll be very, very uh, quiet at the polls on election day, which means if you haven't voted come election day, go ahead and get out there. You shouldn't have any lines and you should breeze right through. So the last thing I kind of like to ask um, is if there's anything that you'd like to add that um, I didn't ask. Well, yeah, and maybe it was part of an answer that I should have given uh, earlier, but uh, since we're both college towns, uh, Tallahassee and Gainesville, absolutely. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, voters uh, on our campuses, and recently we've all started making sure that we have early voting and election day polling sites on campus. But I will say that 
like the primary, this general election, we are getting very, very poor participation amongst our students. We've got those voting sites out there. You almost have to trip over them to, uh, you know, uh, miss them. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you could not see the uh, voting sites there on campus. So we're trying to get everything in place so that you can go vote if you're a student. So get out there and vote. That's I talked about the nonpartisan underachieving uh, element here in, in the turnout. But really, our student populations are really one of the greatest or most obvious uh, populations that aren't really getting out to vote. So, you know, take the time, pay attention. You're going to be, in, you know, out in the workforce here soon enough. But you really need to uh, make sure that the folks you want leading our country and maybe setting policies that might affect your jobs uh, are empowered. was Mark Early, the Supervisor of Elections for Leon County and the President of the Statewide Supervisor of Elections Organization, speaking with producer Jack Prater about high turnout expectations and other midterm election trends. Concerns are on the rise in states across the country over polling security and election integrity. Producers Ezra Sheffield and Julia Cooper sat down with two supervisors of elections, each representing a sizable, largely blue district and a small, largely Republican district, respectively, to talk about how they are planning for the upcoming election Tuesday. Aaron Klein is the Director of Outreach and Communications for the Alachua County Supervisor of Elections Office. He spoke with producer Ezra Sheffield about voter safety at the polls, the security of the vote, and curbing misinformation. Number one, we're always going to be proactive about our communication and our messaging. We've been uh, a very aware um, that there are folks who are skeptical about the process who might not have all the information they need. Uh, um, to really, you know, uh, really participate in the way that we'd like for them. So we've been communicating about, for example, the, the transparency and the accessibility of vote by mail for all eligible uh, and registered Alachua County voters, the ability for voters to participate in our canvassing board sessions, to see the process unfold, the process of testing out the equipment, the process of uh, canvassing vote by mail ballots, um, and just been, been really welcoming uh, to Alachua County voters. It's always a focus of ours. We know we have a very talented and dedicated staff, folks who are answering questions for voters, folks who are you know, working with the equipment, who are, who are following, of course, those guidelines to ensure that the election is run fairly. But we've been really focused on making people feel welcome and in, in calling us and sending us emails and visiting our office in downtown Gainesville, um, because, you know, it really is our philosophy that when people are invited into the process, when people are invited to canvassing board sessions to, of course, vote, and to perhaps serve as election workers, they'll get to see that, you know, these are members of their community that are running elections, um, and we're doing our utmost uh, to make sure that we're following Florida guidelines and administering the election in a very fair and transparent way. I know that you've said that you guys try and vet poll workers pretty intensely and make sure that they're really, really well trained. Does that also include the poll watchers who are typically assigned by political party uh, versus ones that apply to the office directly? Poll watchers, they don't really fall under the, the election worker umbrella. They're not a staff of the supervisor of elections office. Like you said, they're designated by uh, the parties. Uh, typically, to just kind of monitor uh, for any irregularities and to uh, communicate with, with the with the clerk who is an election worker if they see anything that isn't following guidelines. So, in, in terms of in terms of you know 
or concern about them, no. You know, they, they go ahead and send us a list of everyone they would like to serve as poll watchers ahead of time. And we very clearly communicate what poll watchers are allowed to do and are not allowed to do when they're in the polling place, who they're allowed to communicate with, the restrictions on communicating with voters. Um, so, no, you know, we, we, we'll always, you know, reach out to them if we find out that a poll watcher isn't following those guidelines. You know, typically it's as simple as just giving them a call and saying, hey, just to remind you, here are the rules for what you're allowed to do and say inside the polling place where you're allowed to go. But, but ultimately, it's just a part of, you know, of elections. Uh, we're happy uh, for them to be involved in the process. And of course, if they have any feedback for us, they, they of course, have the right to, to provide it. And, and we're happy to listen to it as well. Next, I'm going to talk about the role of law enforcement in keeping polling places secure and safe. When I reached out to them, they said that they really only handle swearing in of polling workers. So I'm just curious about how that relationship works and what the process of that is like. So every polling place on election day and the polling places during early voting, they have a deputy who is an election worker, not um, a sworn member of law enforcement. But like you said, those deputies underwent training, um, which included uh, contributions from the Alachua County Sheriff's Office. And those deputies, their, their role under Florida law is to maintain good order at the polls, to ensure that, for example, the no solicitation zone where candidates and members of parties um, who are trying to convince folks to, to vote for their candidate, they can't go ahead and try to persuade voters, you know, 150 feet outside the polling place. They're there to maintain order if anything disruptive happening at the polling place. So the deputies are that first point of contact at each polling place. They're going to be at all 64 polling places next Tuesday on Election Day. And if needed, they certainly can escalate up the chain of command. Hey, this is becoming a situation. We are going to need uh, to utilize law enforcement. And typically, you know, with most lower level incidents, it's just a matter of the deputy communicating with an individual who may not be following the rules. These are the guidelines. You know, here's here's what you'll have to do. But if needed, they're, they're always going to be there to be that first point of contact. So that, that's the main, uh, main contributor to security and to maintaining order at the polls is the deputy. You know, we're really focused on what happens, of course, at the polling places to make sure voters who do show up to vote uh, feel confident uh, that they're not going to be intimidated, that they can cast their vote uh, as they see fit. After the 2020 election, there was a big focus on mis- and disinformation campaigns. I'm curious if that's something the Alachua County's office is watching and how you guys handle curbing some of that. Absolutely. No, we're, we're always focused on, on just incorrect information. We're not even trying to look at, you know, intent or, or something like that. We just want to make sure that folks have the correct information to be able to vote and participate in any way, um, you know, that, that, that they're eligible for. Um, we, the Alachua County Supervisor of Elections Office, and really all supervisors of elections uh, in Florida, are the trusted source of election-related information. So, of course, if we see something that's just factually incorrect, maybe a deadline is incorrect, maybe um, a description of a contest that actually isn't appearing on the ballot is incorrect, we're going we're gonna to do our utmost to, to correct that. If we see that it's a commonplace uh, thing that, that's incorrect, we have all those tools that we have available to us, whether it's our website, votalachua.gov, our social media presence, uh, press releases and our, and our relationships with local media partners. We're going to do our part to, to really try to call attention to the correct information. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, we're definitely going to be looking out for, for any incorrect information, misinformation that, that's out there. 
because it's very important for voters uh, to, to understand some of those really strict guidelines and rules about voting, whether it's you know, the ID that's acceptable to vote in person or you know, a few weeks ago, the voter registration deadline. When is that last chance to go ahead and register and be able to participate in the election? Um, so it really is a, a huge part of our responsibility to make sure voters are completely prepared with all that information. was Aaron Klein, the Director of Outreach and Communications for the Alachua County Supervisor of Elections Office, speaking with producer Ezra Sheffield about voter safety and curbing misinformation. Producers Ezra Sheffield and Julia Cooper spoke with Putnam County Supervisor of Elections Charles L. Overturf about preparations for the election and efforts to curb voting and election misinformation in the lead-up to Election Day. The main thing is we try to get everybody to reach out to us not to necessarily look at the internet or facebook or you know stuff like that because there is so much disinformation so our biggest goal and and plan has been to to you know try to put out as much information and then you know let people reach out to us and ask their questions and so that way we can get them the actual truth not hearsay or something that's totally false how are resources and funding different for you guys as opposed to other bigger counties across the state? Well, I mean, the biggest thing, of course, is the amount. You know, some of my colleagues have budgets that are way up there, you know, as far as uh, being able to get money. And, you know, all of our funding, of course, comes from our county commission and they appropriate it. Usually, uh, you know, we, we meet in June and I sort of give them my ideas of what I would hope they will do, and then they decide, you know, where we are or where they are money-wise and see, you know, how much they can fund and that kind of thing. So most of the time it works out pretty good um, as far as, you know, no major issues coming up. We bought equipment back in 16, so we're about halfway through maybe the life cycle. And I had mentioned to the administrator and the county commission the other day back a couple of months ago that, you know, if we are about halfway, then everybody needs to be thinking about, okay, you know, four or five, six years from now, if we have to start looking at, you know, buying new equipment, how y'all want to pay for it. So just to give them a heads up so it's not a huge uh, shock, you know, if, if, uh, all of a sudden, I tell you next year we're going to have to change equipment. And oh, by the way, you got to come up with seven hundred fifty thousand or a million or whatever the the price would be. So you know, we try to I try to work with them and be as cooperative as possible and and help out when I can and that kind of thing. So, uh, but you know, and I'm sure other counties are the same. It's just like I said, they just got way way bigger budgets than than I do. We've seen stories come out of other states like Arizona about increased worries over polling security day of the election. Do you have any concerns for your county that you are kind of being vigilant about? Uh, I'm not going to say I've got, you know, in in the world we live in, unfortunately, when you can, you know, see people running over kids and stuff at parades. And I mean, you know, so I'm not putting anything by anybody. But again, being a smaller county, I don't expect things like that to happen. But I will say this, when I talk to my classes, you know, we always have a, a, a part of it on the security and the safety, their safety and, and our security of running it the right way and making sure nobody tampers with anything. And also, it definitely is more on the forefront now than it was when I first got here. I was elected 
in 2012 and took office in January of 13. And that first election in 14, I can tell you, we didn't talk about a lot of this stuff. Of course, there was no COVID. And, you know, there was no some of this other stuff. But unfortunately, the last couple of years, it, you know, you get some people riled up and sometimes they can uh, be having a bad day. And, and unfortunately, sometimes they show out and then they make my my workers have bad days. So I tell them I don't pay them enough to let somebody, you know, have to uh, worry about their life or a threat or whatever. So they've all worked with me on it. Uh, I tell them don't get confrontational. We, you know, call the sheriff's office and we'll let them be the one to confront somebody if they're a voter that's mad or if there's somebody not abiding by the, you know, the law and the rules and stuff like, you know, trying to bring a concealed weapons into a polling place or things like that. So they're they're trained not to to be confrontational. You know, we'll let somebody that actually has a weapon and stuff that can use it, you know, come if we need it. Unfortunately, you're right. We do hear of other episodes in other states, you know, not so much here in Florida, but we do hear, you know, that it does happen. So, you know, I'm never going to say never because we'd like to at least have thought about what we need to do if we have a an active shooter or, you know, something else that comes up. So we do at least go over it and talk about it. But, you know, hopefully we it's just in theory, not in action. And what about poll watchers do you have any concerns there i've only had one episode we did have one in august uh, uh where we ended up having to ask the poll watcher to leave because one they were trying to video stuff during election uh, the actual election you know they were of course told before the class i mean before the election day that that's not allowed according to statute so uh you know so we ended up having to ask them to leave and and i thought they were going to come back in november uh but neither one uh, the gentleman or his girlfriend we had trouble with both of them at one particular location just just you know trying to i guess you know they wanted to learn stuff but they went about it the wrong way and but neither one of them showed back up so they're not going to be working as poll watchers this time so that's the only episode we've had um you know as far as that i've got a lot of them this time we've probably got 50 or 60 poll watchers that are certified that they could come and and do early voting or that they're doing now or on election day. So that's by far the most we've ever had. But most everybody is cooperative. They they usually come up and say, man, y'all do a good job here. Y'all got it all under control. And Man, this was boring. I don't even know what we were lo- looking for, you know, stuff like that. That makes us feel good because, you know, we don't have anything to hide. We want everybody to understand the process and, and see all the checks and the balances that are there. Uh, and put there for a reason so that we can be that confident that, hey, you know what, this is the result. You may not like who won or who lost, but that doesn't mean it was fraudulent or, you know, not fair or, or equitable. Earlier you were talking about kind of the differences between what you had to think about in, in terms of elections in 2014 and now. I'm curious, have you changed your philosophy or procedures since the 2020 election? specifically since that election did bring on a lot of claims about voter fraud across the state? No, not really. The the one advantage I've had over a lot of my fellow county near me is we have, uh, ever since I've been here, we have audited 100% of every ballot. So, you know, we do a 100% audit every election so that I can show that my equipment, my tabulator equipment is the uh, working and when I do the audit, it's a totally different set of equipment. 
made by a different company and everything. So it usually slows everybody down when they start talking about fraud and, and oh, that vote count couldn't have been right and stuff like this. Because when I do an audit and I show you, hey, my tabulator said you got 15 votes. My audit says you got 15 votes. So, you know, you may not like that you only got 15 votes, but, you know, it's not that somebody did something to you or illegally or whatever. So, like I said, we've we've had this procedure ever since I got here, and uh, I wouldn't change it for the world because uh, it's, uh, like I said, most of the time it really convinces people that they may have heard something else somewhere else or read something on the Internet, but that doesn't mean it's accurate. That was Charles L. Overturf, the Putnam County Supervisor of Elections, speaking with producers Julia Cooper and Ezra Sheffield about election preparations. That's all for this episode. For more on each story, make sure to check out WUFT.org. The Rewind from WUFT News is produced by Julia Cooper, Jack Prater, Ezra Sheffield, Matthew Bell, and Nathaniel Wilson. Our executive producer is Ryan Vasquez. WUFT News is operated out of the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. Remember to follow us at WUFT News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest news and information. Thank you for listening. I'm Nathaniel Wilson. See you next week.